Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry, my phone is just buzzing at me. You're supposed to have it on airplane. Tim. I know, but it's still. I had it's it on so airplane earlier, and it didn't stop. I've got then, it on and on do again. not disturb. Then. Oh, I don't know how to do that. There we go. I'm, <laughs> I'm on airplane. Sorry, there'll be a small hiatus while a, WS you, tries to you know. sort her tech out. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Hello, and welcome to the Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And today we are talking future-proofing your home, autumn lighting, very appropriate, we've got all the lights on in here, and as usual, a somewhat divisive design crime. So Kate, first topic, future-proofing your home. I mean, here we are again in your... Soon to be beautiful, should I say that? Not quite there yet. Not yes. quite there yet. New home. Are you think? I mean, the way that you design this house, are you thinking of future-proofing it? Well, it's interesting because we... Oh, I've talked about downsizing before and the boys being older. And so on the one hand, we were looking at this house as how we're going to live in it in the future. On the other hand, there are certain things that we can't change. This house came with a downstairs shower room in a little extension at the back. And I think the estate agent thought the plan would be to knock that down and build into the side return and have a much bigger kitchen. But we thought, actually, I want to keep the downstairs shower room because partly getting older, and it has a shower, it's not just the downstairs loo. And also if parents come to stay. So that felt like a really useful, sensible decision about getting older and future-proofing. Of course, the bit where it doesn't work is that in this particular house, in order to get to that downstairs shower, and you have to go down three steps to get into the kitchen. So it's, it's not entirely perfect, but I suppose we have started thinking in that direction. Mm. And, you know, there are certain things that is definitely something that it's worth considering. So we'll hang on to that. In other senses, perhaps not so much. You know, we are not, this is not a house where the doors are wide enough for wheelchairs. We are not going to widen the doors for wheelchairs. So I think what we're going to do is work with things that present themselves to mm. us in this house. But this may not be the house where we, you know, are, are proper old pensioners. The one we have taken into account is the windows. So we knew the windows were a bit ropey from the survey. You've um, got your sort of like sash windows. We can see them. Original sash us. windows. Yeah. They're very beautiful with a curve. And we thought they were so pretty. There were horrible plastic shutters in front of them, but that's a decorative story. And so we had thought, we know windows are expensive. We thought we'll give it a couple of years. We can manage until then because it's a big outlay. 
And then when we moved in, we realised quite quickly that a lot of the cords on the sash windows have been cut so they don't open or where they have, or they have been painted shut. So we can't open any of them. Oh, so man. suddenly it became more urgent. So we looked at restoring the windows. So the window man came around and we said, well, you know, we could restore them. And he said, oh, we can absolutely do that. He said, you know, it costs half as much as replacing them. So we thought, brilliant, we're in. And then he said, but you'll have still spent thousands of pounds and you'll still have single glazed windows. Mm. At which point we thought, do you know what? We we can't do it. You know, we have to now invest. Actually, this is not an investment in our old age so much as an investment in, in the planet and energy saving, which well, obviously also, we yes, covered. But, but, but also, you know, you're right. It's not all... Future-proofing isn't just about managing disability. It's also managing the fact that this is a house that has to function yeah. for the next foreseeable. And I think if you're going to be in somewhere for the long term, which you plan to be, making sure it's draft-proof, insulated, warm isn't going to spank loads of your precious pension on energy bills. Now's a really good time to make sure that you do put in that extra insulation or draft issues or efficient windows and things. I think that is part of future-proofing now. I think it's a lot more on our radar to do that. Yeah. Not just to save on energy, but to, like you say, be more in line with the environment and not wasting fossil fuel energy and, and again in the last house we had original floorboards which we loved but oh god they were drafty i mean the wind <laughs> used to whistle up in my office i used to get really cold on the backs of my legs because the draft would come up mm. through the floor up the backs of my legs and up my trousers and somehow rugs didn't stop it so you know this house already has and engineered as you, floorboards as you age you feel the cold more too right? this is true this is yeah. true but as you say it's it's not necessarily just about energy i looked into this earlier this year for a for a piece i wrote and the sort of Stat, you'd like a stat, oh, wouldn't you? Stat, stat here we go. <laughs> so 80% of people say they want to remain in their own homes as they age, and one in five over 60s want any new home they buy to be future proofed, but only 9% of British homes meet the basic standard of accessibility, according to the Centre for Aging Better. So, and that basic standard means, you know, level floors, wide doorways and hallways. So, again, that's something that new builds can get into because they have wider doors and they may, might be more on the level. It's much harder if you live in a period property. Well, you know, interestingly, seven years ago, we bought our home with my mum and we built her a purpose-built annex next door and it's absolutely that it's one level living yeah it has wide access points it was interesting actually when um we have a friend who's an architect who kind of helped us you know knock around ideas it's a two-bedroom annex and he talked about trying to create two bathrooms if possible because he says you know if your mum ever needs a live-in carer it would be good if the spare room had a ensuite that was going to eat into quite a lot of space. My mum didn't want to do that. But what we have done is created a little utility room with a uh, washing machine and everything in it. And actually, it means it's got its service. It's got drains. It's got water. It's got water. So if we did want to flip that into a tiny little ensuite, we could do that. So that's... She didn't go for the ensuite for the second bedroom. We created a little laundry room instead, but that could be then later flipped into a, an ensuite. If that's clever. I mean, I think bathrooms is perhaps one of the first places we think of because I know... Uh, you know, my mother felt that she shouldn't rip out her bath because the estate agent told her not to. So she's got a tiny shower squashed in a tiny basin. She's not had a bath for 20 years because mm. she doesn't feel comfortable living on her own, climbing over the yeah, side of right. a bath. Yeah. And that's another thing to think of. So again, I spoke to Ed Warner, 
the founder of a company called Fine and Able, and they specialise in accessible designs for bathrooms. And he said, you know, we do think of the bathroom first. So one of the easy things is if you're installing a shower, have a flush fitting tra- shower tray, mm-hmm. and then you don't have to step up mm. into a shower because that's hazards. an immediate trip hazard. Absolutely. But one of the other things he said, which I wouldn't have thought of, and I think is a, is a good idea, is before you tile the walls, if they're stud walls, reinforce them with plywood, and then they'll be strong enough if you need to add a grab rail. Oh. And you could perhaps, you know, if your shower is big enough, put a seat in the shower, which, again, you might just use it for several years to put the shampoo on, but it might be fun for small children or when you're getting oh, older. Oh, if, if you put one of those in our shower, Arthur would never get out. Well, there he is that. Yeah, spends hours in the shower as it is already. If I put a seat in there, literally... there would be no hope maybe don't do that option with the seat but (laughs) it's interesting when you start to look at that you know that's a relatively simple idea Mm. that you can do and it's strong enough if you need to adapt things later on aside from bathrooms there's another area in kitchens and that's eye level ovens so many years ago some friends of ours were redoing the kitchen and he was desperate for the big all singing all dancing range cooker oh yes the big jamie oliver the big thing and and he doesn't cook and (laughs) i just wanted to look like he did yeah and she who did cook was like potentially worried about having osteoporosis Mm. later in life because her mother had it so we know it's hereditary and she was like i don't want to be bending down lifting heavy pots out of a low oven i want an eye level oven they didn't resolve it they are now divorced i'm not sure it's the fault (laughs) of the oven but these are you know conversations to have i haven't got osteoporosis i want an eye level oven yeah i mean (laughs) i just it is already quite a hassle kneeling down getting the big Sunday roast out on your knees. Well, and we've had for... And the other thing, since I've started wearing glasses... She's on. Yeah, you can't see. Oh, my gosh! I mean, I'm quite new to the glass wearing, so maybe this is like, you know, newbie error, but every time I open the oven, it all whooshes out and I can't see, you can't see anything. Yeah. going on. No, we have that. Both the mad husband and I have glasses on. We open the oven and we're then walking around the kitchen like this, going, can you see the pasta? I need to drain. Where's the sink? <laughs> true i think that you know that's a good idea yeah. the eye level not that i'm going to have one when i do not, this kitchen have, oh i would you see I well i don't know if i've got room i've gone a bit style over substance but i like the idea but and again i had a friend who had a set of very beautiful copper saucepans mm. that look fabulous hanging up in your designer kitchen mm. oh my god have you ever tried lifting a, a heavy yeah. plate of or potatoes well, to thought, drain them what about it's too heavy. You can't lift those. Yeah, either. that cast iron oh, ovenware. No, no, I can't be doing that. No, but then it's having very said heavier. that, I'm supposed to be doing weight training. I'm at that age, so maybe that's it. With your Le Creuset. It's time that's to get the new Le look. <laughs> Middle class weightlifting with the Le Creuset. <laughs> the other thing, which actually I is has almost been a trend, but there's a point to it, is we've seen a lot of kitchens recently with glass cabinets on the wall there's been a lot Mm. of fluted glass and frosted glass and I spoke to for this piece I wrote early in the year Elaine Fraser who did a course in dementia studies at Mm -hmm. Stirling University and she said one investment that will pay off is putting glass cupboard fronts so you can see what's inside and that helps Mm. with later memory problems so maybe you don't have the sort of fashionable fluted glass but clear glass so you can see what's going on and I thought that's that's, that's really interesting because that is actually a trend that 
pays off in later years. Oh, not in years. your Tupperware cupboard, though. I don't want... I don't you want don't want glass, glass on your Tupperware, Tupperware cupboard. cupboard. Well, I tell you what, though, when we were designing Mum's uh, kitchen, my mum is 75 now-ish, I think. Sorry, Mum, if you're listening. Could be 74. I hope I'm not making her older than she is. I think move on. Mid-70s. Sorry, mid-70s. Claire. <laughs> and we put in deep drawers for, like, plates and bowls and pots and pans and everything, rather than cupboards. Because, again, it's much easier to glide out a deep yeah. drawer than... Again, it's like the oven, getting down on your hands and knees. And peering into the back. Peering into the back of the cupboard. And also drawers is another really fashionable thing in kitchen design. Mm. I mean, obviously, they're more expensive than just having a door on a cupboard. But Mm. I think that does pay off later because, yes, you can absolutely see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting how just trying to project yourself a little bit into the future... And, and how you might want to use the space. Mm. And I think kitchens and bathrooms are two of the key spaces that that it's not... If you're redoing them, you know, it's worth spending a bit of time thinking about how you might make it work. And I know we spoke about this touched on energy, I think, in a recent episode when we spoke mm. to Tom, the builder husband, mm-hmm. and he was talking about installing a charging point for an electric car because very few of us actually have electric cars at the moment, but there may come a point when more of us need them. And I think you charged yours through the kitchen window for quite a long time, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I feel that can't be very efficient. It's not particularly um, burglar-proof way of charging your car either, leaving your window open all night. It's interesting to, you know, when we talk about future-proofing, maybe it's our age, Kate, and where we are in life, we're thinking of the latter end, but also this future-proofing earlier as well. I get a lot of people writing to me asking about, for example, I'm decorating my seven-year-old's bedroom, but, you know, my seven-year-old's soon going to be a 13-year-old with homework. You know, people thinking about how a room for kids this is going to change over the years. So again, I think this is worth thinking about I mean for example I've done it in Arthur's room he moved into his bedroom when he was five he's now 11 and a half he is not he I know I know it's extraordinary and he's kind of ready to go for a bit of a reinvention not in the decor he still loves the bright red the bright atomic red that he chose six years ago amazing loves that so for example we did a fitted wardrobe drawer situation but as a five to eleven year old, he has no reason to hang anything. Yeah. No shirts, no blazers, no dress obviously he doesn't have dresses. No, not obviously actually. Not at all, obviously. But he doesn't have anything that he needs to hang. Yeah. So we had drawers below and then shelves above. Yeah. But at some point he will need to hang shirts and maybe jackets or something and the idea is they're not the top half we can take the shelves out and put a hanging rail and you're absolutely right both my sons had everything in drawers or mostly on the floor Mm. and then I think it was only about a year ago my now 19 year old announced that he needed somewhere to hang things I was like hello where's my child you've never (laughs) hung anything up in your life famously I remember when he was about seven I asked him to pick everything up off the floor so I could hoover and, you know, he had a chest of drawers and I said, can you, you know, put everything in, in the drawers? And I went up about 20 minutes later and all the drawers were half open and everything was kind of hanging over oh, the edge of the drawer. It was a, a novel. Yes, a waterfall of mostly dirty T-shirts. Um, <laughs> but exactly, he suddenly decided that now he wants hanging space and he needs a wardrobe from having full shelves. So it's there are those changes that come. And I think if you're designing a, a, a child's room, again, you need to think about that change, not only just from how they live. Obviously, the toys get smaller the older they get. Well, so that's the change that we are going to make in Arthur's room. So he had a freestanding piece of very 
famous IKEA. I think it's called Clipan. No, that's a sofa, the Clipan. What's the box storage? Kallax. Thank you, Kate Taylor, producer. I knew it was. I knew someone would know it. Because they have so many toys. Yeah. The and they're big. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And books. So many books. Oh, God, the list goes on. So having all those cubby holes that were easily accessible for a young child as well, so he can access the stuff. And the theory being, you can also easily tidy away. But he doesn't need all that stuff anymore. So the idea is that that piece of furniture is going to come out. I'll put it on Facebook Marketplace. Someone will love it. And he now wants a desk situation and probably some drawers for a few bits and bobs. So I'm glad I didn't do fitted storage yeah. All those cubby holes. I got, you know, that was a freestanding piece of furniture, not very expensive, that can go. And I might do a fitted desk because that will probably be something that will last him all the way through then. Well, we had for years, my elder son had, again, from Ikea, two trestles and one of their sort of desk things on top. And the idea being that he could move it around if he wanted to. And and he did actually move his room around quite often and, and put that in different places and swap it with the bed. And then my other son had two alcoves and we put a desk in each alcove so that he could have one in theory for sort of play which then became making and one for work in actual fact they were both just piled up with stuff and he worked in his bed but that's (laughs) you know you can you can lead your child to the systems you can't necessarily make them adopt them but it's it's absolutely worth thinking about how their needs change. And again, their bedrooms go from places where they play with their friends to then they don't want anyone in their bedroom. Mm because they want to be a bit more grown up and the friends stay downstairs to then they're having friends in their bedroom because they want to hang out. So they want more of a sort of bed sit, Mm. you know, work, rest and play situation. I had a very nostalgic experience last week, you know. Went to go and stay with a really dear, dear friend of mine, Petra, and she's got three kids and they're 19, 17 and 12. And we went to go and stay with them for a weekend. It was a really nice catch. It was really fascinating being in a house with teenagers for the weekend. Yeah. I found yeah. mm. that very entertaining. We were staying in Florence's bedroom, the 19-year-old. And she's recently, much to Petra's chagrin, thrown out her bed because she wanted her mattress on the floor. Yeah. That's how she wanted it. And we were in her room. So Tom and I were on the mattress on the floor. It felt so nostalgic. Do you feel like Because <laughs> that's what I had as a teenager. Yeah. I yeah. wanted a na- mattress on the floor. And then when I moved out and went to uni, I continued to have the mattress on the floor. felt great. I felt like 21 again. It was brilliant. Yeah. Until you had to get up. Until you had to climb up out of it in the morning. <laughs> but she had like the um, clothes rail with all her clothes on. So they were on display. Oh, it was brilliant. I yeah, thought... the open storage is, is interesting because, you know, they spend you know, the the clothes are are such a form of expression. So, you know, my younger one likes open storage because he's buying cool trainers and spending Mm. his money on T-shirts, which are an expression. He doesn't want them hidden away in drawers. But the other thing where I slightly went wrong with my older son was we did his bedroom. There's often sort of markers. So you have the baby room and then when they go to what you call big school when they're four or five you know they want to change and they often want a desk they're never going to sit at the desk but it's like I'm going to big school I want a desk and then there's a change again which I think Arthur is coming up to when they go to secondary school mm. um, which is when they start to perhaps you know they don't want the Lego visible but no, even if they right. still play with it they don't want anybody to know they've got it <laughs> um, and then and then it comes into sort of hardcore teenage den yeah. and obviously boys particularly have a massive growth spurt at around, you know, 12, 13. And we had just moved into the last house at that point. So so my son had his original bed, which was a single bed. And then 
we redid his room because we just moved into the house and I didn't think about the bed. All his friends had these massive growth spurts and all went into oh, double beds. And he didn't because we just bought him a new bed, but it was a single. And so he then waited and he was about 17 before, it might even have been 18, before he got a double bed. I mean, it's not that he needs a double bed, but there's a kind of, they get to an age where they want more space, yeah, or particularly no, boys. True. If you've got boys who are six foot, a single yes. bed is, is tricky. I don't think um, me and Tom are going to create a six foot. I haven't created a <laughs> six footer either. But it's, you know, it's that if Arthur's 11 and a half, it's worth suddenly thinking, actually, if I'm going to redo his bedroom, do I get him a double or a small double well, bed I've, now or do we do it again? I've pipped you to the post because actually I think it was a couple of years ago. He had a kind of like, it was a very small single. It was kind of like his toddler's bed that yeah. he got after the cot. And he was beginning to complain that that was a bit small. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not going to get you a bigger single because I know this is coming because I've seen yeah. my other friends' kids. They all want the big bed. But his room, in my view, isn't quite big enough yeah. for a double. So I got a small double. I've they're got, not easy to find. No, they're not. And the bedding is really hard. My've got. Well, he's just. Oh no, it is. You're right. The, be- yeah. the fitted sheets are hard. One of my. Yeah. So one of mine who had a big bedroom in the last house has got a, a standard double, not a king, just a standard mm. double. And the other one's got a small double. And actually, in this house, one's got the bigger bedroom than the other, so they've swapped. But finding, yeah, finding the bedding has not been so easy. Mm. I think I get them from John Lewis. But you're really stuck. It's like just white fitted sheets. You don't yeah. get any choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what that they and they're not easy to find the mattresses and the uh, and the beds. But if you get one, I think that it's a really good compromise for yeah. a child's room that doesn't always feel big enough for an adult. And you've level. got then room to put lots of cushions on it, so you can create a sort of like day bed, so sofa thing. bed mm. look, which also you know if you've got a child who might make their bed and straighten those cushions, that looks quite inviting mm. when their friends come around. If you've got mine, then their friends just come around and sit on the unmade bed uh, with their trainers on. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, drink the beer and it's fine. It's a you know, it's a more it's a more bohemian kind of way, but um, you know, it works for them. Their room, their rules, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but everywhere else, my rules. <laughs> Let's be clear. So yes, I think there's there's easy things you can do, but I think whenever you decorate now, again, whether you're conscious of saving energy or saving money, just project yourself a little bit into the future and think. How might my needs change? Hmm. You know, do I need to alter something and factor that in? So next topic we're going to talk about is autumn lighting. It's just a perennial. You know, when I used to work on magazines, November would come in and we were doing features on wood burners and fireplaces and we were doing features on autumn lighting and yes. making your home feel cosy with lighting so I thought come on I just written one for the Sunday out. Times I mean <laughs> it does you're right it does come round every year but it's it, it's the clocks go back don't they and suddenly it's all over you're plunged into these dark days it's really nice actually I was visiting a good friend who lives out in the sticks uh, last weekend, just went, took the kids round, just went round for tea and cake and a good old catch up. And she doesn't have any overhead lighting. And it was daylight when I turned up. And by the time I left, it was pitch black outside, a bit like what's going on out there. Mm. I mean, we've got your overhead light on here because we're working and we need to be able to. This is leaving. Make the most of it. Because no, as soon as That's... the electrician comes back, that is going. So that is not autumn lighting, is it? That's... No. No. For long. But this sort of thing, by the time I left, the whole house was really dark and cosy. 
because they hadn't got very much lighting on. Yeah. And I loved it. It was so It's really, it's all about the atmosphere, isn't it, mm. at this time of year? I've got a friend, and I, this may well come up as a future design crime, but she's uh, a Swedish friend of mine. So she's all about, you know, I know the hygge is Danish, but she gets it, you know, it's instinctive. And I remember going, for years, you go around to her house in November and she started to just put fairy lights up. And I've been like, it's too soon for Christmas. I do not want to see these fairy lights. And she said to me, and it really gave me pause for thought, she said, do you know what? The winters are so cold and dark and sometimes you don't want all the lights on, but it just might add a bit of warmth and cosiness. Mm. She said, I'm not doing it for seasonal stuff. I'm doing it for atmosphere. atmosphere. And, and it made me think whether you want fairy nights or not, what we do need at this time of year is more lamps. So I think there's a real... Well, it's, it's, a, it's actually more lamps, but you're actually talking about less light. Yes. It's not about putting on all the spotlights, all the overhead chandeliers and flooding it with electric light. It is about creating this low-level, cosy yeah. lighting, which you get from lamps. From, from having lamps. Yeah. So, But I also find, you know, you might have a lamp that you don't use at all in the summer because you just don't need it in mm. that corner. So maybe you move that into a different room. But at this time of mm. year, you perhaps need an extra lamp to bring into the room. So exactly that, you can have different lamps at different heights and the other thing I think is you know lampshades changing a lampshade is a really good way to to change the decor a little bit Mm. but in summer where you probably might only be putting the lamps on half an hour before you go to bed it it's much more important its role as a decorative thing so you could have a really intense patterned lampshade that's that's being decorative in the summer but actually doesn't allow much light to flow through it and then in autumn you might want a paler one which is going to just flood the light out a bit more gently Mm. around that corner seasonal lighting seasonal well just seasonal lampshade changing I think it's an easy it's an easy win and the other thing I thought and someone said this to me years ago and I thought was really interesting we have I think quite often an obsession with with lighting the whole room yes yes. um and And what she said to me was, you know, you don't want to light every corner. It's much more atmospheric Mm, if you have a dark corner, a pool of light. Mm. But also if you have a dark corner that the room is drifting away into darkness, you can't see the edges of it. So it kind of makes it feel bigger than it is as well as creating atmosphere. So just bring in the pools of light where you need them. Clearly, not like we have in here now for those who are watching on YouTube. This is surgical autopsy level lighting for recording but if podcasts. We, yeah, if we turn that off, it's actually lovely in here because you've got a tall standing light next to me on the left-hand side of the sofa. You've got a table light next to you on the right-hand of the side of the sofa. I can see that there's a lovely lamp over there. The other thing I want to highlight that's really lovely in your living room, you're so clever, Kate Watson-Smythe. It's is the shutters, no. The what? lampshade. So that lampshade over there is like covered in a hessian, like yeah. a lovely kind of hay colour. The one next to you. Now, what is that material? You see a lot of lampshades. Are you going to make me turn with it's, my neck? I'm 55, you know. <laughs> it's like a paper. Oh, it's like interesting. This lampshade is so old and broken and bent. It's kind of like parchment. Parchment. And I love it. We've had it for about 15 years. Mm. It's really bent out of shape. I can't find another one in the same material. So that one's just staying there bent. Because yeah, I it, like it. Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? It's the material. Yeah. That this one... 
Not so much. This that's the habitat like, spindle. That's a kind of linen. This has got, yeah. but it's got a white card on the inside. Yeah. So I think this is a tip, isn't it? We tend to look at the outside of the shades, yeah. like you say, that are decorative. But actually, what they're lined with inside, you can get lampshades that are gold inside. Yes, which is a lovely warm light. Really lovely but again. Brilliant in summer, perhaps, because you're getting that warm glow, but it will stop the light diffusing out around what, it. If it's actually gold. If it's gold inside, yeah. you'll yeah. get the light, and it sounds really obvious, but you'll get light out of the top and light mm. out of the bottom, but you won't get it get coming nice out diffusion. through the sides. Okay. And so you have to think about, you know, those are beautiful, those lights, but and they they're great the, when they're they off. diffuse the light. But you yeah. just need to think about where you're putting that particular shade in the room, because mm. if you, you know, if you want to light a corner generally, then that gold lining isn't going to do it if you're having it for those of you on youtube or i will describe sophie sitting on the end of my sofa with a light kind of shining over her the light comes down quite directionally on top of you so you can see to read your book mm. from that light but if that light had a gold center and you were sitting over there you wouldn't be able to see yeah so the, i think the choosing your shade makes a difference and if you can retrofitting or renovating dimmers absolutely for seasons yeah every time yeah and also again for anybody renovating is putting lights on different circuits so for example yeah. in our living room we've got four light switches to the spotlights the recess spotlights are on two different yeah so i have a circuit of lights around the edge of the room and then i have one single spotlight that just highlights the footstool in the middle of the yeah. room and actually when we're watching tv in the evening i just have the one spotlight over the footstool and then everything behind us is in darkness yeah and we don't have any spotlight shining in our, yeah, yeah shining in our face well it sort of highlights the popcorn so i know where it is <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that is technologies really come on in leaps and bounds now is obviously led lighting mm -hmm. and i'm seeing more quite cool battery powered portable lights oh. so Matthew Williamson did some really pretty ones did, for Pookie which are kind of slightly retro in style with lampshades he designed those more of an outdoor light so you could have I think lamps he did. on your garden table didn't he but you're right you could I think they work doors. brilliant and and they particularly work and Tala is another mm. uh company that's done the sort of portable storm lamp and the reason I think they're great for this time of year is you know you might have a spot that in the summer you don't really need the light on in there because you only sit in there you know in the early evening when there's enough natural light but it might be a really lovely spot to sit in the autumn when it's dark mm. and you haven't got lighting over there because you haven't thought and a portable lamp yes. you can just and I think the technology now means they me last for ages because Ooh, I, I? I, yeah because in my office I foolishly didn't future proof it <laughs> I just put in loads of spotlights there's a thinking, podcast for that you know <laughs> put work lighting in it yeah it's just got a well I didn't it's got a grid of spotlights and I didn't bother changing them when we renovated because I thought this is going to be my office I just want it well yeah. lit but obviously we use it as a dining room and we've got more than four people around yeah and then I've just got these horrible spotlights I've got plugs for lamps on one side of the room but not on the other yes well, you I see just my portable there you go because this is the other problem the other you discover with period houses that the plug sockets are always Never in completely the wrong place. place and it's quite a big deal getting in the electrician yeah. to chase them out and move them oh, and that's that's expensive really big problem. there you go so i'm all about the portable lamp i I'm think it's a good idea up, look up pookie for my little the other thing that i've got which i had in my office in the last house 
um, was a couple of lights from original BTC that had clamps on. Mm. And I did it again because I didn't have sockets in the right place. So I just clamped these lights onto the front of my bookshelves and I could sort of angle them to where I needed to be. But they've been an absolute saviour in this house before we renovate because there isn't enough lighting in the kitchen. So I've clamped them onto the one storage shelf we've got (laughs) at either end. And that means I don't have to have these really harsh spotlights on all evening because obviously it's a kitchen diner there's no dimmer there's just a grid of spotlights Mm. in the middle so having these lights clamped on and when we redo the lighting in there I can clamp those lights onto a bookshelf or put them somewhere else and they're plug-in so again there's no chasing of cables they are fully whether you have battery portable or plug-in clamp lights I think that's that's a really good idea for this time of year a penguin lamp. That's what I've got in my kitchen. A penguin. Yeah. An actual a, penguin. An actual penguin, yeah, with a lampshade on its head. Okay, as you do. Well, I think... <laughs> well, that's it. I think a lot of people, when they're planning kitchen lighting, it's just like, practical, 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 practical. Yeah. Strip lighting here. Yeah. Down lighters there. You need your chopping area to be really well lit. You need to really light, you know... That's the thrust. And then, you, like you say, if, you're, if you've got a dining table in there, you just feel like you're sat in a fast food restaurant, yeah. don't you? It's horrible. Yeah. So I've got around it, lights on dimmers for sure, and lights on different circuits so we can get rid of all the overheads, but also my little penguin lamp in the corner. Nice it gives idea. It a, I don't use it in the summer, yeah. but in the evening, he's yeah. just there glowing in the corner and he looks gorgeous. And, and I think that's absolutely the solution if you are not either for budget reasons or time, or you just can't be bothered to install dimmers if you haven't got them, then portable lamps, clamp lights, just moving it around is a or good those, way to solve it. smart bulbs now. Now, you and yeah. I are a bit out of touch with all of that, but we should oh, maybe yes. drop it in for people who are interested. Yes, yeah, smart bulbs. Smart. Control it from your phone. We don't know anything else about it. There we go. <laughs> but get some. We will return to that, and we will be so fully researched on, <laughs> on the smart, smart bulbs. bulbs. Yeah. Now me. I'm going to pull my sleeves down because I'm now sitting in front of my really drafty windows that haven't been replaced yet. Can you feel the breeze coming in? No, I'm in cashmere. I'm fine. Oh, she's in cashmere. <laughs> I think it's at this end of the sofa. Right, Kate, you know, it's my favourite part of the podcast. It's our design crime segment. And this week, I'm nominating patterned carpet. <gasps> <laughs> Or have you been practising your dastardly laugh? I am. Do you uh, Do you want to justify? Do I want to justify the pattern carpet? Yeah. I do and I am. Come on then. Well, I think, you know, it's clearly true that patterned carpets, in this country at least, I'd be very interested to know what our listeners in Australia, America, in other countries... Think of patterned carpets. Do they even have patterned carpets? They're very synonymous here with the 1970s pub. Public house. Yeah. Public house, drinking den. And that is because, and they are highly practical, they don't show the dirt. No. So that's a great reason to have a patterned carpet. And I don't think, even though the 70s were now quite a long time ago, and the 70s are back in they fashion are, and yes. interiors, the patterned carpet has and is perhaps struggling to shake off its reputation. And yet there are some beautiful pattern carpets around in fabulous colours. It doesn't have to be a swirl of sort of, you know, magenta and plum and brown (laughs) paisley. Um, And yet for some reason people are resistant. And I wonder... Because we've all got now... Do you think it just can't shrug off its... I think it partly that... 
But I also think it's much easier. We've all got our head round now, you know, bold interiors using colour. Very Somehow, maximist, aren't they? We are, God. yes. Yeah. Somehow a rug on a floorboard mm. or a tiled floor feels easier to cope with when it's in a bold pattern. Oh, okay. That yeah. when it runs right to the edge of the room somehow that feels scary because i think fitted carpets have also been like whether they're patterned or not even if they're plain have been actually quite unfashionable so i think there's two things to get over first of all the hangover from for the, from the 70s in the pub and also the fact that everybody's been ripping up the carpets and polishing up their original floorboards but i have thoughts yes, on this on clearly because i may have mentioned that I've just moved into a new house. <laughs> in this new house, there is carpet from the stairs all the way along the landings and in every bedroom. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it is a pale grey carpet that colour upsets me on the daily, as they say. And also, <laughs> I think it smells a bit. So it's going. It's got to go. But having come from a house where we had no carpet, we had a runner up the middle of the stairs, so it was boards on the side, everything else in every room was floorboards Mm. and rugs. And so, and this is a smaller house, noise travels more, you hear more, there's no door on the kitchen. So my Mm. elder son comes back from his work in the local restaurant. I can hear him in the kitchen because there's no door. But what I can't hear is... The television. I can't hear people walking up and down the stairs because the carpet, fantastic, noise absorbing. Mm. So I've suddenly gone from thinking, oh, I, I, you know, quite like this carpet. Smells a bit. Don't like the colour, but you know, quite like the walking on it and the sound absorption. So you like the feel of it, and you like the fact that it keeps the house quiet. And it's not drafty, and so and I'm warm suddenly, as and well. it's warm. <laughs> so there's all those reasons. So clearly, I don't want this pale grey one. But you suddenly think, well, there's a surface that I could maybe bring pattern to because, well, 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 because, let you know, I I am not one for loads of patterned wallpaper and high no. contrast colours everywhere. We know that. I but I do like where I can to do something a little bit unexpected. So I'm thinking maybe it's the patterned carpet on the stairs and on the landings mm. and the plain walls. Maybe. I'm, I am not putting patterned carpet in the Design Crime Room 101 because I am here for you it. You've just got to pick the pattern you love. actually having it. You are actually having it in the new Madhouse pattern well, we carpet. we haven't got that far yet. <laughs> but I am very much here for the idea of it. And I'm thinking, you know, that... I mean, you would probably have patterned walls and patterned carpet Absolutely. and go the full on. I can't do it. It makes me feel a little bit breathy already. But I'm thinking a really stunningly woven patterned carpet and with quite plain walls. Landing, or is this going into all the bedrooms as well? Well, I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. My... Goodness but I, I, I don't feel anti. I could consider this that. This is your little closet maximalist that has a little flurry. Of yes, now coming now, every now and then. But the colours, <laughs> the colours will clearly be very muted. And, and as brown. I say, I think keeping the walls really plain and the curtains really plain, but having a bit of an explosion of fun on the floor. Mm. I could be here for that. Come back to me in three months when the builders are back. I think it's really interesting. And I think we are seeing a fashion for more fitted carpets coming back. I think there's a whole new generation. I mean, we just thought they were so old fashioned. Yeah. Do you know, my parents, check this out. This is brilliant. When we moved into our family home, now I was six. 
So that puts that over 40 years ago. Gosh. We moved into that family home. And I remember my parents were in the habit, and we used to move an awful lot. They took up their pattern carpet from their old house and had it recut and fitted in the new house. Well, that only works if you're going from a big house to a small house, presumably. No, we weren't. But that was what they did. They took the curtains. The curtains always came with us, and so did the carpets. Wow. Because they were on a... They were thrifty. thrifty but interesting, because now but that's included in sale. That's kind of, you know, no one's actually thinking about taking the carpet. I don't think anybody does that anymore. Yeah. Nobody no. does that anymore, but they did. They used to rip up the carpets and take them with them. And there was a highly patterned pub carpet up the hallway on the landing. I remember it really clearly. But it was just, yeah, they weren't going to spend out on a new carpet when they already had one. Isn't that fascinating? So that's my kind of like slightly traumatic, hideous memory of a really rather disgusting carpet, uh, which did get replaced eventually to some A nice oatmeal twist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Some beige pebble thing. Anyway, so I was thinking about who I knew with pattern carpets. Lovely Siobhan, interior of care, course. you know, one of my favourite influences. She has a fitted zebra print carpet. Of course she does. Well, you just reminded home. me, I have a, I had a zebra rug. Yes. Not a fitted carpet. Well, this is where I'm wondering. I'm wondering whether our passion for pattern rugs is going to spill out into fitted carpet. Go to carpet. She's also got matching zebra print curtains and pelmets. You see, that's where I'm way. finishing. That's where <laughs> I'm drawing the line. I am drawing the line at the curtains as well. I'm fully here for the patterned fitted carpet because, oh God, it's nice to walk on and the sound is great. But you're not going to match it to your curtains. We, I'm not. You're not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not there yet. But you know, I haven't just written a book called "More Is More," um, so you know, I'm I'm very much on the less is less. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting as well that the high street, so tappy carpets, carpet right, you know, more affordable because I always saw, you know fab pattern carpet being quite high end yeah you know i remember like wanting a of course i did a fitted leopard print stair carpet once you could you know you couldn't find them you can unless you went to some paris yeah you know like gazillion pounds but yeah your carpet rights and your tappy carpets and everything and now all the all the animal prints yeah all your animal print desires (laughs) i think i might just hold on we were all good with the pattern carpet and now i'm swerving back in the other direction or you know even like a simple stripe so for example carpet right again they do a really lovely it's almost like a ticking stripe idle hands sandra from idle hands on instagram she's got it in the black and white version up her stairs oh nice and then my yeah. friend petra i was telling you about who i stayed with she's got it in the raspberry red and ivory stripe like a really lovely no, red well and, and i stripe. had of course in the old house that from alternative flooring the spotty carpet yeah and spots were quite unusual we were seeing stripes quite a lot and then we moved on to spots but so i didn't have it filling one room mm. but you know yeah alternative flooring you've got really margot selby's done a yes they have them. beautiful sort of that's a fair isle pattern isn't mm. it which is great because that's really unusual actually for a carpet it's not your sort of standard stripes and spots and so. i've got those patterns in my own home but i've made them into huge area rugs so i've got yeah. about 30 centimeters of sizal that you can see around the carpet and then i've used the pattern carpet and had it bound into a rug but now I'm thinking, oh, I should have gone yeah, the whole hog. should have got a bit should extra. Can you get a bit extra and have it fitted <laughs> on around the edge? We'll have to ring them up. She'll be on the phone. <laughs> so that's interesting, isn't it? Pattern carpets were, I think, widely seen as a design crime. But you and I are... Well, we're here for it on. so you're on board fully i'm almost on board i can't wait to find out what everybody over on our great indoor facebook group thinks because i know those guys are gonna have thoughts 
So get on there, let us have them. And you can find us on Instagram where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. And do let us know what you deem to be a design crime and we will adjudicate. Email us at thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. All these details and more can be found in the show notes. And before we go, a big thank you to all of you who have left us a review in your podcast app. Particular thanks to Alex in Paradise, who says, Welcome back, thank goodness! (laughs) I was left bereft when the last series finished. Then you two exploded back into my life, and I found myself in the car on the way to work, grinning widely as you both cackled away. Cackle? What? (laughs) Cackled away. With all the exciting new insights into the creative world and the new house move a bloody good podcast it won't fail to cheer you up and get your creative juices going thank you for all the joy well i'll take that and she'll take the cackling (laughs) till next week thanks so much to our producers kate taylor and henrietta harrison of feast collective and thanks so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors whoop-de-doo Oh, I like that word adjudicate. Yeah, you I can, thought you, you might. Can tell that that's a new word for us. But you can't spell it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>